0: So, if you would turn into Genesis chapter 2, I would like you to stand while I read. I'm just going to read three verses, but would you stand as we read the word together? I'll read it. You follow. Genesis chapter 2, first book in the Bible, the beginnings, and so it says here, and we just got done going through chapters 1 through 11, this is back to chapter 2 now, sanctifying the Sabbath. Thus, the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished, and on the seventh day God entered. Ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. So, Lord, we stand before you who loves us, who's created all things, and for your pleasure they were and are created. And we love you, Lord, and we know that you love us. And we look at creation, we look at all that you accomplish, and it's just absolutely amazing. So, Lord, we're praying and asking that you draw us to yourself this morning. That you've given to us your word, and you want to speak to us. That your word is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. You can get right down to our motives and the things that are going on in our hearts. And, Lord, that's what we need. Search us, O God, and know our hearts. And I pray, Lord, for anyone, we pray as the body of Christ, as believers, for anyone who doesn't know you that this morning, as we're in your word, you'd speak to their hearts. You, Lord, would be the one they're hearing. So, Lord, we commit this time to you. I pray the things I've prepared you, break them fresh and feed us. We are hungry. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, bless now, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So, in this series on the Sabbath, from my earliest recollections, for whatever reason, I have loved to work. I have always thrived on having something to do. I'm not a guy who naturally likes to just hang and do nothing. My mom and dad were both also very hard workers. My dad worked two jobs for many years, a full-time job and a part-time evening job. My mom went back to work Uh, I should say she left the home environment, which is a lot tougher, and went to the secular workplace. When my youngest sister was five, I was about eight years old, and my mom continued to work until she retired at 62, my dad also the same, and he retired, and they they are now, I am happily saying, are with the Lord. So if I was not going to school or doing sports, I was working and making money. My first job was a summer job at age 16 as a busboy in the Hot Shops uh, chain of things that were on the New York State Thruway. Thruway, I moved out of my parents' house right when I could and I've supported myself ever since. There was a time when I when I got out of I had to get out of New York for many reasons and I wound up in Salt Lake City for a year. That's the only time in my whole life that I was on food stamps, but not very long. I went down for those to see about getting a job. I was then cleaning up these construction sites when a a general contractor hired me. I didn't know anything about building houses, but in three months, I was leading his crew. I love to work, and I love to learn. It was about four years ago, after pushing through the remodeling of this building, when this kind of drivenness began to consciously and physically catch up to me. My body was having problems. I was exhausted mentally, emotionally, and for the first time in my life, I was afraid I was burning out, or maybe even something worse. But I kept going, going, going. It's a very deep-seated, deep-seated identifying mark as to who I am. I'm a hard worker. There's nothing wrong with that, except when it is in reality detrimental to my relationship with the Lord, and thus with other people. As Jared shared last week, I am not what I do. Remembering the Sabbath, I am not what I do. I hope, in fact, I'm going to exhort you, you need to watch that, that study. It was amazing. And he prepared it just for us. So it seems like many months ago, when really it was only in January, late January, that I was encouraged to read The Emotionally Healthy Leader, how transforming your inner life will, deepen, transform, will, will deeply transform your church team and the world is by a guy named Peter Skazero in this book chapter 5 which is a thick chapter i read practice sabbath delight for the first time in over 40 years of studying and teaching the bible the holy spirit got me thinking about this thing called sabbath these past 3 plus months i have been devouring books on the sabbath and there are a lot of them i will tell you and I'll share three of them with you at the end, but I was considering this series, I was considering calling this series, Thinking Sabbath, because I had never really thought about it, and at at this time in my own personal Sabbath journey, I am really not doing anything practically to implement it. I have been reading and thinking through the scriptural basis for Sabbath, I am convinced that it is a tremendous spiritual, of tremendous spiritual significance and importance. I have some ideas as to what it will look like for my family to practice Sabbath. And I am having a, listen, I'm having a blast doing it. For example, last week, Jared brought his son Elijah up on stage. And he led us in his family's daily benediction. I loved it. I actually went out and down, downloaded the free poster. I sent it to Costco. I had it blown up to 16 by 20. I got a frame and I put it on our wall at home. I'm looking for ways to begin to establish this thing called Sabbath and what is entailed in that so that I can be blessed and we are, my family can be blessed. And This, this is on, on dadtired.com forward slash Kent if you want to download it. It says this, I'm not what I do, I'm not what I have, I'm not what people say about me. I am the beloved of God, it's who I am, no one can take it from me. I don't have to hurry, I don't have to worry. I can trust my friend Jesus and share his love with the world. Every day he goes through that with his children. Wow. As far as my family practicing the Sabbath. Listen, (laughs) I had planned to start four weeks ago, and let me tell you, we're going to be doing Monday night through Tuesday. It's been derailed every week, but I'm at it. (laughs) Next week, we're going to have our final installment in this short three-part series. It's going to be keeping the Sabbath holy. We're looking at sanctifying it this morning, last week remembering it, but I'm considering even possibly another little short segment when we get into August right before we go back to, to our Busyness and work and the workplace and school. Now, you may be like me, a person who loves to work, work, work. Or you may be the laid-back person who hopefully works hard, but also can kick back and just hang out. And you may be anywhere in between with these unique and crazy things called work and rest. I suggest to you this morning that remembering the Sabbath, Sanctifying the Sabbath and keeping the Sabbath is God's gift to you. That the Sabbath transcends all the human wisdom that tries to untangle and figure out why we are like we are. Why we can't slow down and rest. Why we do what we do. Why we act like we do. Why we battle worry, anxiety, and fear, and all the other frailties that come with this bro- in this broken-down world, and with our fallen human condition. And if what I'm reading is accurate, the thought of Sabbath-keeping is not only foreign to you, but also, up to this point, holds a little, little to no interest for you. In fact, you may even bristle at this as being legalistic. Keep the rules, practice, and therefore, you want nothing to do of even thinking about it, much less doing it. And if what I'm reading is accurate, even if and when you begin to embrace the Sabbath as this precious gift from God, you will have a very difficult time that will most likely take a lot of time until it becomes an established rhythm by which your weeks are blessed and balanced and your soul is at rest. It will take time. In fact, all the books I'm reading, it's years. Why? Simply this. Our culture does not support Sabbath. There was a time when I was a young boy when what what were called the blue laws were constitutionally upheld by the Supreme Court as a day to promote worship, rest, and personal and family well-being. It used to be a part of our laws. Imagine the city of Seattle shut down on Sundays. That's when I'll drive the freeways, may I say. (laughs) or the whole of New York City, or San Francisco, or Los Angeles shut down for a solid whole day. Now, I'm not suggesting that our culture will turn back to this. There's going to be some Sabbath movement, a day to stop and enjoy and rest in God. That's not going to happen. But what I am suggesting, in fact, I'm not suggesting, I'm convinced of it, is that my own life and yours will be radically changed by understanding and sanctifying the Sabbath as a day to stop, rest, and enjoy God. The Sabbath is a sacred rhythm created by God for us. When we stop working for a 24-hour period of time every seventh day to delight ourselves in Him as our creator, our provider, our healer, and yes, for sure, our Savior. The actual day does not matter, but a day does. That in doing nothing for a whole day as far as work, God then can remind us of how much He loves us, how much He cares for us, how much He will take care of things even when we do nothing. That in His presence is fullness of joy. That he is the one and only, capital O both times, the one and only who can and will take care of everything we need. Not just some things, but everything we need. Psalm 1611. You will show me the path of life. I believe it includes this created design of the Sabbath. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Jesus put it this way. The thief does not come except to rob, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. So in everything that's going on, we can have rest. The book of Hebrews talks about entering into his rest. That rest is found in the completed work of God, not only in our salvation, but also in the original design of creation that we have a place God gave to us to rest. So in Genesis chapter 2 that we just read, thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and here it is, sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Now, we would expect that on, that, on the sixth day would say God ended his work. But God's creation work includes the seventh day. Let me say it again. God's creation work includes the seventh day. He made the Sabbath day. This tells us the seventh day was an act of God's creation. The Sabbath was made by God and completed his creation. In other words, it took this special act of creation to bring it into being, and without it, his work is not complete and would not be complete. It's fascinating indeed in my mind. There, are no, there was never anything, nor has there ever been anything after that, of these gods that man creates that have any idea it would ever start there. These gods are ones that we serve. No place, you don't start it with rest. But God did. The word manuka has these renderings. Rest, peace, stillness, happiness, really wrapped up in this. It means harmony The essence of life, of a good life, rest. Now, note the words that accompany the seventh day. Rest, blessed, sanctified. Now, as far as I know, God has not unrested it. He hasn't unblessed it. He hasn't unsanctified it. He sanctified it because it's part of his creation. The seventh day was made by God and completed his creation. Now, before the law was ever given to Moses, we read of the Sabbath after Egypt, after Israel taken out of Egypt. Exodus chapter 16, verse 23. Then he said to them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So they laid it up till the morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. Now, what God had said earlier was, I'm going to give you bread from heaven. Miraculous. So every morning you're to go out, and he told us, every morning you're to go out, and for six days you're to collect the manna. But on the sixth day, you're to collect it for two days, because I don't want you working, I don't want you to go out and get it on the seventh. Now, some of the Israelites didn't believe God. So if they kept it overnight, it would stink in the morning. You had to get go fresh bread. But here God miraculously again ordains this thing called the Sabbath. So when they get it on the sixth day, nothing's changed, nothing different. They just gather twice as much. They bring it home. They keep it for the seventh day and it doesn't stink. God preserves it for them because he wants them to rest. He wants them to understand this thing called Sabbath. So then... Uh, Verse twenty four. Moses said, eat that today, for today is the Sabbath day to the Lord. Verse 25, today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day of the Sabbath, there will be none. Verse 27, now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none, just like God said. You know, that's always interesting. Whenever God says it, we doubt it. He always says, no, you should have listened to what I said. (laughs) And the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See. For the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So that people rested on the seventh day. Now, additional words that accompany the Sabbath. We have holy. Same word as sanctified. We have a gift. It's a gift from God. We have He gives it to you, and He gives it to you to keep. And as far as I know, God hasn't taken away the gift. It's for us as well as for them. Now, let's go to Exodus chapter 20. Here we have the Ten Commandments given by God. It's also reviewed in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And so what you have in the first three commandments are you, have no, you shall have no other gods. You shall not make yourself a carved image. You shall not bow down to it. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. But then we get to this fourth commandment. And interestingly, it's different. What he says is remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath notice of the Lord your God. In it you should do no work, your sons, your daughters, your male servants. Verse 11, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. Now again, it's different. He's saying remember it. Why? Because it's already established. It's already a part of the created design. So you're remembering. We looked at this a little bit of this last week. Remember the Sabbath. He said, remember to keep it holy. In other words, remember to keep doing it, sanctifying it. Now, the Sabbath day is connected to the created order, but notice the Sabbath day, the things that we're not to do are not bad. They're good. Work is good. Some of you say, really? (laughs) Yes, work is good. We were created to work. Work is the idea. It has this definition in my mind. That we have been created by God in his image. He's created all these things. And we're to take that, those created things that he's given to us. And we're to so use our gifts and our talents and the things we have. To take those things and make them something that can then benefit someone else's life. That's work. So what God's given to me in my life is that my life might benefit others' lives through the work. Through when I work. Now note the additional words that accompany the seventh day or the Sabbath. Hallowed, same word, holy, sanctify. It's a gift that he gives us to keep, but notice, to keep it holy. To keep it holy. Now, that's the fourth commandment. Fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long on the land which the Lord your God has given you. Now, notice, again, not, do not, do not, but honor your father and mother, which is this commandment, that your days may be long. In other words, if the family starts falling apart, so does everyone else. Now, these fourth and fifth commandments are not randomly listed. They didn't just happen to be the fourth and fifth. They are strategically placed in the tablets of the Ten Commandments. They are the connection and transition commandments going from the first table of law, our relationship with God, to the second table, our relationship with one another. And what is central, it's not the do not, do not, do not. It's remember and honor. Remember and honor. Remember and honor. And then you get to those last five commandments, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear witness, false witness, and you shall not covet. Central to God's commandments. And by the way, his commandments are holy and just and good. Can you imagine what it would be like to live in a world where everyone's keeping God's commandments? They're good. They're fences of love. God saying, if we'll live according to these, if we'll live within the boundaries of these commandments, we can enjoy a full, prosperous, free life in our relationship—not only with Him but with each other. Oh, how sin has ruined so much of that. So, what's central? Listen, remember the Sabbath and honor your father and mother. The Sabbath and family. And when I, as I, am I reading on the Sabbath the central place that that Sabbath is kept, the central place where that Sabbath is sanctified, the central place where that that Sabbath is remembered is the family, the family unit that we as dads, we as moms, for our children's sake, for their future, for our grandchildren's sake, we understand the need we have to rest and enjoy God and for them to participate in that and see it. One more scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 15. And remember that you are a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you, notice, to keep the Sabbath day. What's he saying? Remember that you were a slave. Remember what you used to be, how you were living as a slave in Egypt. And listen. The reason you existed and the only reason you existed was what? Work, work, work. I delivered you from the bondage of Egypt. I brought you out as my people. And now I want you to reestablish this understanding that I am giving you a gift and it's called the Sabbath. To remember that I am the one who will take care of you. I am the one who delivered you. I am the one that set you free from your bondage. And therefore remember the seventh day. Keep it holy. Sanctify it. Remember it and honor me by keeping it. Now the Sabbath became a sign of God's covenant with Israel. That Israel belonged to God. He had delivered them to be his people and he their God. It became the sign. Now the New Testament. We don't look back to the Sabbath. We look back to the cross. But in the Old Testament, as God was reestablishing his relationship with his people after judgment, punishment, what is back to the Sabbath, back to the Sabbath, back to the Sabbath. Nehemiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Hosea all talked about this. We say back to the cross. Can I hear an amen? We say back to Christ. We say back to our Passover lamb in Jesus Last week, Jared said this, and I've watched, it. I've watched his study now a couple times. So rich. He said this, quote, The greatest evangelism tool of 2019, the most effective thing we can do as Christians in 2019, is to rest well. It's to rest well. As a testimony, we're God's people. He said, when someone asks you, how are you doing? To be able to say, I'm doing good. I'm busy, but I'm at rest. Yes, life is hard, but at the deepest part of my soul, I am rested because I know there's nothing I can do that will make God love me any more than he loves me right now at this very moment. He said this, it'll blow their minds because so many people, in fact, aren't at rest. And for you to be at rest, though busy, is, he says, one of the most powerful evangelism tools of 2019, to be at rest. Now, Sabbath is mentioned 60 times in the New Testament. Fifty times in the gospel in the ministry of Jesus. Nine times in the book of Acts. Designating, listen, designating when they got together to teach the word. Sabbath. Now as they were keeping the Sabbath, they were still doing that. The early church. Only one time in all the epistles is Sabbath even mentioned. And it's called Sabbath uh, plural. This won't be on the screen, but let me read. Colossians chapter 2 and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh he has made alive together with him having forgiven you all trespasses having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us which against us which was contrary to us and he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross. In other words, all the things, all of our sin, Jesus paid the price. He nailed it there. God's not looking for me to keep the law so I can be saved. He's saying the law is showing you, you need a Savior. Jesus on that cross took care of the whole problem, my relationship with God, in being reconciled and being saved by His blood, forgiven of my sin. He disarmed principalities and powers. Also, in the demonic realm, Jesus conquered everything that was against us in coming to know Christ. And have a relationship with God. He made a public spectacle of them. Triumphing over them in it. In what? The cross. Then he said this. So let. Verse 16. Colossians chapter 2. So let no one judge you. Listen. In food. Or in drink. Or regarding a festival. Or a new moon. Or here it is. Sabbaths. Which are a shadow of things to come. But the substance is of Christ. Christ. Paul Paul's point in this is simply this. Jesus secured our salvation on the cross. He reconciled us to God on the cross. He took care of everything that was in the way of me knowing God and walking with him intimately. The shadow is the result of the substance every time. If there's nothing there, there's going to be no shadow. If there's no Christ, there's no shadow. If there's no Christ, there's no salvation. The reason we celebrate with food, drinks, festivals, and yes, Sabbath, is because of what Jesus did for us. We celebrate him as we look forward to the things to come. So, the substance of Sabbath is Jesus. We are complete, Colossians 2.10. We are complete in him. We're not working our way back to God. Jesus put it this way. Come to me, all. in fact, it's the main passage on our series. Come to me, all you who are what? Labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Now, literally, as my friend Greg Parker, as we were praying this morning, pointed out. It's literally, I will rest you. It's a verb. It's what he will do in us. I will rest you. So it's not like he's throwing us this thing. Here's some rest. Go take a nap. He said, I will rest you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Souls. The substance of Sabbath is Jesus. The substance of our, our, our doing what we do and celebrating our salvation is Jesus. So listen, let us be careful. We don't judge someone as being legalistic. Because they choose to sanctify the Sabbath out of love for Jesus. Out of love for their marriage. Out of love for their family. Out of love for their friends. Let us be careful with that. But also, the opposite is true. Let us not judge anyone because they don't. That's not what I'm talking about. And I hope you hear that several times. Because I, I know, I, well, I'll share a little more on this. It's interesting that Jesus, in all that he did on the Sabbath, he was attacked and he was annoyed at the questions about the Sabbath. But listen, Jesus never gave any hint of abolishing the institution. Jesus said so much that in what he said was in the manner in which the Sabbath was to be kept. Without ever a hint or instruction that it would, that it would cease to be. Matthew chapter, Mark chapter 2 is one little story of many. It happened that as he, Jesus, went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, as they went his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, look, why do you do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry? He and those with him how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests, and also gave some to those who were with him. And he said to them, here it is, the Sabbath was not made for man, but man. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath rest was a completing of God's creation. God made it. And he hasn't unmade it. Jesus did not say the Sabbath was made for the Jews. The Sabbath was made for man. Now the Talmud, which is a central text of mainstream Judaism, and the basis for all codes of Jewish law, identifies 39 categories of activity that were prohibited on the Sabbath. Now the Pharisees took this to the extremes. That was their problem. Among them was sowing, reaping, weaving, building, baking, and lighting a fire. And the application of these prohibitions began to evolve during the centuries from the Talmud. Now, we may want to reject the Sabbath day because of these kinds of rules and regulations. But listen, my brothers and sisters, my friends. This is to miss the original and simple understanding of what the Sabbath is. The Sabbath was created by God for man. And it was a gift from God To man, The Sabbath is blessed and sanctified by God. Therefore, we are not only commanded to remember the Sabbath, but we're commanded to keep it and keep it holy. In understanding the Sabbath day in light of these things, we, we then understand the importance of safeguarding and protecting it as very sacred day to be practiced and I believe celebrated every week of every year. Therefore, he said, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is the one who says in what manner the Sabbath is to be celebrated. Jesus emphasized that meeting needs is at the heart of the Sabbath. Man's needs. He honored God. He had compassion on people. He helped people on the Sabbath. He's driving home the point, And the Pharisees were up in arms about it all the time. And yet Jesus is healing a, a, a man that's lame. He's raising. I mean, it's just amazing. And they're going, you can't do that. You can't do that. And what he's basically saying is, you don't get it. You understand, the Sabbath was made for man. Not man for the Sabbath, where God says, you know, here's the Sabbath. You know, you gotta wasn't that at all. The Sabbath is a loving demonstration of a good and compassionate God. He helped people on the Sabbath. He listen, he attended the synagogue and he taught on the Sabbath. He miraculously healed people on the Sabbath. Jesus was always challenging this affront of doing good. Your donkey falls and did you pull him out on the Sabbath? Shall I not release this woman who's been in bondage under Satan for 16 years or whatever it was? The Sabbath is not a religious rhythm as we would tend to define it. And that some have so made it. Now, in so doing, it's reduced to a practice of certain rules that when not kept, distance you from God and burden you further in what you're not doing for God. Let me put it this way. That is completely opposite of the heart of the Sabbath. Completely opposite that. In the Sabbath, we have this relational rhythm of the love of God where our souls are kept and rested and blessed and holy and free. We remember our relationship with God. We remember our relationship with others, what they're to be and what they are. And when this rhythm is missing, I believe they both suffer. God did not sanctify a person. He didn't sanctify a place. He didn't sanctify a thing. He sanctified time. He sanctified time. When we keep the Sabbath, whether we do or not, it remains sanctified and holy. Ours is not to make it, but to enter into it and enjoy it. To benefit from it. A couple of quotes from one of the books I'll show you in a moment. This is from a rabbi named Heschel. The Sabbath is the presence of God in the world open to the souls of men, of man, the soul of man. God is not in things of space, but in moments of time, unquote. And then another one. The seventh day is like a palace in time with a kingdom for all. It's not a date, but an atmosphere, unquote. You see, Judaism constructed the Sabbath as the architecture of time. Life was built around the Sabbath. Beautifully designed by God, the architecture. A work of art to behold and to experience in our souls. A 24-hour slot of time, we step back and remember that God is very good. When our souls are renewed and we rediscover who we are in His eyes. When God maintains our spiritual ground, no matter where we may be. Where His blessings are remembered And our balance is restored. When our souls catch up and find rest again in Jesus, a day that is not only for the soul, but also for the body. The Sabbath sanctifies time, the Sabbath sanctifies just how much we're loved by God, the Sabbath sanctifies how we appreciate the beauty and genius of God's design in creation. The Sabbath sanctifies how we live our daily lives, all seven of them. The Sabbath sanctifies a deeper dependence on God. The Sabbath sanctifies how we, it sanctifies marriage and family relationships. The Sabbath sanctifies how we see people. And thus, it also sanctifies how we see problems. They seem to go hand in hand. And by how does it do that? It sanctifies forgiveness and reconciliation. It sanctifies good, hard work. It sanctifies rest. It sanctifies freedom. That's the Sabbath. So a couple of questions in closing. I'll ask you, what do you have to lose? What can it hurt? How can it hurt? What are you afraid of with that? These are all questions I've been having to ask myself personally. Now, it may well be very scary. Why? Because maybe the scariest thing may be finding out that we've been living our lives believing Satan's lie. Again, last week, Jared talked. said, you are not what you do. But Satan came in. And said, if you do this, you will be like this. Remember that from last week? That's the lie of Satan. So if you buy this, you'll be satisfied. If you are productive, you'll be important. I, I like this one. I probably shouldn't have said that, but I'll say it anyway. If you marry that person, you'll be happy. And he, he made a little joke. Did you find it? <laughs> If you lose weight, you'll be confident. And on go the lie that what you do is who you are. And that is a lie that I myself am battling through personally. What I do is not who I am. I am a child beloved of God. You are a child beloved of God. And if you never do anything, he's not going to love you any less. So that may be the scariest part of stopping and resting, not just once, but every week. And going over, maybe it's that poster, maybe it's, some, and you're going over that, not just with yourself, but verbally with your wife or your children or whatever it might, other people that might be celebrating with you. And to say again and again, and as I shared last week, our culture has so hammered this. This whole idea of work and being valuable and all this so hammered it into us that we have to keep hammering back every week, and as we keep doing, it. that's why I think it takes a long time. You got to keep beating down those ideas. I am what I do. I'm not what I what I what I do is not who I am. And I think I can speak for all of you the same. Oh, to be free, and set free. And there's only one who can do that. It's the Son of God, Jesus. He came to set us free from the slavery that that Satan has duped us into in that we are what we do. The temptation. I close. A longing for God's loving presence is at the heart of remembering, sanctifying, and keeping the Sabbath. A A longing for God's presence. One day, 24 hour period of time, we stop and rest from all of our labors and we enjoy God. And we enjoy each other. The Sabbath in Jewish culture began at night. They ate a great meal and then went to sleep. It says oh, they're saying, even God's saying, even though you're sleeping and accomplishing nothing, God loves you. Remember the Sabbath, sanctify the Sabbath, keep the Sabbath holy. Now, whatever it looks like for most of us, this will be a significant lifestyle change. Significant. For most, this will be an uncomfortable change. Like most new new things are. But see, the reason we make the change is because we've come to believe it's important. For some of you right now, and maybe for, for as far as you can see, this is an impossible change due to whatever it might be in your life. That's okay. God understands. God knows. God loves you whether you keep the Sabbath or not. For most of us, this will be a huge challenge that will take repeated practicing where some will work, other things don't work, and that's okay. Personally, though I've done next to nothing as far as practicing Sabbath with my family, just my initial readings over the last few months and my, my initial thinking these things through have drawn me to Jesus and caused me to love him so much more than I did before I was confronted with this idea of Sabbath. That's what's happened for me. Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm drawn to it as a light that's shining in some of the dark places of my soul. For that reason, I am anticipating some life-changing growth as this rhythm called Sabbath begins to take its proper place in my life. I believe that this gift of God is worth a strident personal pursuit to remember it, to sanctify it, and to keep it. So i just close with these three books and we'll sing a song and I'll close this. These are the three, three of many books I've read so far. I've got Three more on my stack. And this first one, the Emotionally Healthy Leader, is one that kicked this off for me as I share It's $20 at hardback, <laughs> $10 bucks in Kindle. The second one, the Sabbath, fantastic. Every chapter, and he's got a lot of them. At the end, he says, practice. And he has a practice heading, and then he just talks about what he does. How, do we, how does this work? And I, I, again, I am so, I'm having so much fun just thinking about how are we going to do this for our family? The third one is more poetic. It's This one by this rabbi, Abraham Joshua Heschel. It's called the Sabbath. It's an old, old book, but man, it's good. So I would say, number one, maybe just get a book and start reading. Start thinking. Secondly, I would encourage you, if you're beginning to think about this, if this is stirring through that, which I hope it is, you just begin to think, what's the 24-hour period that works best? Because it's not... Whatever day, it's just a day. So for me, my day off is Tuesday. So my Sabbath is going to be Monday night, beginning with dinner through Tuesday night with dinner. So we're going to eat and go to sleep. Uh huh. That's going to be what I'm working toward. Hasn't happened yet, but that's my. So whatever, I would encourage this, again, my journey. Just think what 24 hour period might work? And I say might because, again, it's going to be a challenge, it's going to be hard. And then three, I would call, ask you to begin writing down some ideas. They might be simple. They might be crazy. But just some simple ideas where in the intimacy of your home, with your wife, your husband, your children, whoever it might be, friends, you invite over for this meal, as to how you're going to make this time special. How are you going to make that dinner? I think I'm thinking mostly dinner. How are you going to make that dinner a place where we light a candle or maybe two? And we sit down at at dinner and we have a meal that's already prepared. And we're just going to enjoy each other. We're not going to turn our phones off. We're going to put our iPads away and turn our computer off. And this time is now sanctified because we just want to spend time together with God and enjoy Him as we enjoy each other. So those are the three things. Maybe do some reading. Think of some slot. And then begin to think, how could you do this? What could be fun to start doing? Now next week we're going to look at keeping the Sabbath. I'm going to look at some of the historical stuff that's related to the Sabbath. I want to share some things that I'm planning to try. And then I want to share some things that I've been told as I've been seeking this from other people, what they've done. We heard some last week from Jared. It's fantastic. So I hope you'll be able to come next week as we close out this short series on the Sabbath. So would, would you stand? Let's sing a song together and then we'll close. Hi, I'm Kevin Day, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel South. I really hope you enjoyed the message and that God spoke to your heart through it. If you'd like to know more about our church and find other messages to watch, head over to ccskent.org. And I would love to meet you at one of our Sunday services. God bless you.